0: Welcome back to Bad on Paper Podcast. I'm Becca Freeman. And I'm Grace Atwood. And we're both together. I'm in Charleston right now. Yeah, we're sitting across
1: from each other on my kitchen island recording in person. This is so exciting. Yeah. But before we get into it, this episode is brought to you by Knight, the pioneers of beauty sleep products like our beloved Night pillow. We're going to tell you more about them later in the episode, but wanted to let you know you can take 20% off sitewide at discoverknight.com with code BOP
0: Night. So today we have a little work episode for you all. We haven't done a work episode in a while, and I think this one struck a chord because I put out the call for questions this morning, so probably about four hours ago, and we got hundreds.
1: Yes, so many. And so this might be a little redundant if you've been listening since the beginning, but hopefully not. Hopefully we have some new advice to share and thoughts
0: there. I mean, I think my, my career at the moment is – currently evolving so i think the way that i'm thinking about a lot of these things is changing for myself so yeah i don't know hopefully i have something some new light to shed
1: um but let's talk about highs and lows first what's your high i know what your high is it's me
0: (laughs) (laughs) wow (laughs) egotistical (laughs) um now i don't want to say that now i don't want to give you that (laughs) um yeah so my high is visiting charleston if you missed it last week On Wednesday of last week, I decided – I made a very last-minute decision to come down to Charleston on Friday. I was supposed to have a project that started this week, and it got pushed, and it was supposed to be 50 and raining in New York, and I had no interest, and I just wanted to go somewhere. So I invited myself, quite literally, down to Charleston, and it has been so fun.
1: Yeah, it's been really nice having you here. That's my high, too.
0: Um, we haven't done a ton. We have spent a lot of time at Grace's pool, which is wonderful and relaxing. I read a book and a half this weekend and we've gone out to dinner a couple of times. We've like seen a bunch of friends. Some of them I know, some of them are new to me, but it's been so fun and it's, it's been nice weather and I really like Charleston. I'd, I'd only been here very, very briefly for our live show a couple of Junes ago. So I'm excited to spend more time here.
1: Yeah, it's the best year. I love it never leaving.
0: So that's half of my high. And the other half of my high does not have to do with you, unfortunately, for you. (laughs) I guess I can live with that. The other half of my high is that Showmance, the newest rom-com pods show, is live. So the first episode went live on June 7th, which is Monday, this past Monday. I can't wait for you to hear it. I'm so excited about it. And if you already listened to it and you're excited too, I'm happy to tell you that the second episode comes out tomorrow, Thursday, because we can't just leave you hanging like that. So it'll be on a typically Monday drop schedule, but um, we added in a bonus episode the first week. So I'm so excited. I, I'm i telling you this from the past. It's uh, currently Tuesday, uh, so it hasn't come out yet in my life. But I am hoping the reaction is good. That's so exciting. Okay, now talk about how much you've enjoyed having me here and how great I am. It was so nice to have
1: you here. It's been so nice. I think it's – I'm getting a kick out of how she keeps saying we didn't do much because that's my life now. Like, we don't do much. We go to dinner every now and then. I see my friends every now and then. But it's a slower pace of life, which I really, really like. It's been really nice having you here. It's been fun introducing you to some of my friends that you didn't know. It's been fun – Taking you to some of my favorite spots. Like last night, we went to Basic Kitchen, which their salmon bowl and their beet margarita are like two of my favorite things ever. It's been fun going to the pool, and the weather's been so nice. It's just been a nice little trip.
0: It has been nice. Yeah. I'm the first one to stay in my in my guest room, in my bedroom, <laughs> in your bedroom. What about on the low front? <sighs> I'm just tired. You
1: know, I got back. From I'm wearing Palm you Sp- out. <laughs> I'm worn out. I was worn out before you got here. I was in Palm Springs in LA, and then like that flight, like. I'm just not used to being jet lagged and and the um the flight. So I was like tired from that. Then we've had a really fun four days and then I have a couple days off and then I go to New York this coming weekend. So it's um a lot of stuff. I think I'm going to tonight and tomorrow night like just hunker down and go to bed really early so I can kind of recharge a little bit. And then Thursday I have a big event and then Friday morning I fly to New York and that's going to be wild. And then when I get back, I'm just going to like stay put for a bit. Awesome. Yeah. Um, It's not a real low, though, because it's all fun stuff that's making me tired. So I can't
0: really complain. What is your low? My low is also not real. It's a complainy low. I am on a bathing suit hunt. If you remember, if you listen to the podcast for a really long time, you might remember my great sports bra hunt of 2019. This is apparently my great bathing suit hunt of 2021. So I'm in the market for a new... Did you see the
1: Tonya Taylor ones?
0: Yes. I feel like one of those in particular was, would be so cute on you. I don't actually love them. OK. But I, I, I want to see after the episode what one you think it is. Yeah. Um, and so I'm on a bathing suit hunt. I'm looking for specifically one-piece bathing suits that will accommodate a long-ish torso. Like sometimes I need a long torso and sometimes I don't. And also I have big boobs. So those are kind of like my two considerations. And everything is sold out. Interesting.
1: I don't believe that's true because I just bought a bunch of bathing suits and everything I bought, I always look because if I want to link to it and everything I bought was in available in full-size runs.
0: Where did you buy them from?
1: Um, Tanya Taylor, Eberge, um, where else? What is that brand that I always talk about that I forget?
0: There's What a great description, Grace. Thank I you know, for I that. I talked
1: about it on the podcast. Before. Ephemera. Ephemera. See, so you did know it. E-P-H-E-M-E-R-A. They were fully in stock. Somersault is
0: fully in stock. Somersault is not fully in stock. I looked yesterday. Oh, they're out of stock of, at least in my size, they're out of stock of anything I wanted. What about Aerie? Um, Aeries are all cheeky bottom. I don't want a cheeky bottom you one. You can filter by a bottom type. OK, so I didn't like any of them. Okay. Um, <laughs> I looked at Somersault. I looked at solid and striped. I looked at uh, J. Crew. I looked at... Um, left on Friday. I looked at like a bunch of places. Interesting. And everything that I was interested in was out of stock in my size. So I'm on a great hunt. Yeah. Clearly, I have not hunted everywhere because you found some. But um, Did you look on Shopbop? I did. So I don't know. I'm hoping that maybe – things just sold out because of Memorial Day sales and that maybe oh, they'll maybe. restock when people return them. That's weird that I'm hoping for like pre-worn bathing suits, but Ew. here I am. Here we are. Or that, you know, they'll restock because it's the beginning of summer. So I feel like yeah, now's it, the time it, to- at least up north here, I feel like it's true bathing suit weather, but at least up north, I'm like, if I hadn't come here, I like wouldn't have been in a bathing suit yet. So
1: I'm still getting used to being here because I bought bathing suits like a month ago because it's been so warm here.
0: Yeah. So I'm on a great bathing suit hunt, and it's not going great so far. Well I'm sorry. It's okay.
1: Um, but before we get into today's discussion, let's take a quick ad break to talk about night. So you guys, I say this all the time, but I am an eight to nine hour night of sleep person, maybe even 10 on a weekend. And my biggest sleep hack is my night pillow. Night is all about optimizing the ordinary, and getting a good night's sleep is the most important thing for my my personal productivity.
0: So the famous night pillow is a memory foam pillow with a silk pillowcase. And the memory foam cradles your head and bounces back into shape whenever you turn over. And that's a really big deal for me because I toss and turn a ton in my sleep. And without this, I kind of end up with that sad flat pillow that just isn't comfortable for my neck, which is something else that then wakes me up.
1: And the comfort piece is the most important, in my opinion. Like, seriously, I cannot sleep without mine. I borrowed one from my parents when I did my six week trial run in Charleston over the holidays. I just like need it to sleep. But, there's also some major beauty bonuses. First of all, since the pillow is made of silk, which is non-absorbent, it keeps your expensive beauty products on your face where they belong instead of just soaking into your pillow. Also, the silk is more gentle on your hair, so you get less hair breakage and you wake up without a wild mane of bedhead, so that blowout will last you longer. And I think, you know, that's really major for me because I like to go, you know, three to four days between washing my hair.
0: And Night has some other amazing products too. So I'm all about their eye mask for sleep. It blocks light. It doesn't irritate my skin. And I've had my first one. I have two. But I've had my first one for over two years, and it hasn't stretched out at all. And I'm also a really big fan of their scrunchies. I love the original ones, but I also just started using the thin ones, and I'm also a really big fan of those too. And it's the face mask that I keep in my purse for whatever I have to duck inside anywhere. I love that because the silk is skin-friendly, it doesn't make me break out. Yes, that mask
1: is also my go-to for airplanes now that we're traveling mm-hmm. again. But if you are ready to try the night Pillow or any of night's other amazing products, you can take it 20% off site-wide with code BOPNight at discovernight.com. Again, that's 20% off anything on the site
0: with code BOPNight at discovernight.com. Okay, let's get into our discussion. So today we're talking about career changes. And honestly, we didn't really have an idea of what to talk about today. And I was on a long walk yesterday. And I was thinking about it. I was thinking about we were having dinner the other night with a couple of friends. And I asked, they're living down here temporarily. They're getting ready to move back in three weeks. And I asked one of them what they were planning to do when they got back to New York. His response, was, he, he was like making big changes, like something new, something different. And I just feel like that's an attitude that I've heard from so many people. Like I feel like with the pandemic. People have, I don't know, had a lot of time to consider what's important to them, and you know, a lot of people are thinking about big life changes. And so I feel like I, I know a lot of people who are contemplating career changes.
1: Yeah, a lot of people are. I'm not, but mostly
0: everyone I know seems to be. And based on the number of questions we got about it, it, it seems like our friends aren't the only people. It sounds like our listeners are definitely have this top of mind as well. Yeah. yeah. So wait, Grace, how many careers have you had in your life so far?
1: Um okay so I my first career was I was an associate buyer for a department store so that's one then I worked in brand management for like 8 years so that's two then I was a director of social media then a blogger podcaster I guess five okay yeah yeah so the the buying the brand management and the social media were like my three conventional career paths and then all this other stuff like blog, Instagram, podcast, I kind of like consider all of that one thing, but
0: yeah, like content creator. Yeah.
1: So I guess four. Okay.
0: How about you? Let's see. So my first short-lived career out of college was I worked in traditional consulting. Then I switched into marketing and then I went freelance, which I guess I consider to be just part of the marketing career. So that's kind of a slight 2.5, but not really a third one. And then I guess having the podcast like being a creator, content creator a little bit. I don't know that I consider that a full-fledged career, but it's like something I do. Yeah. And then now being like a writer and producer with rom-com pods and then, you know, hopefully pushing that further into other areas as well, where I'm, you know, currently working on writing a book and, you know, also really interested in writing and producing in TV as well. Yeah. So I guess Four? Four and a half? Yeah. I know
1: I'd say four and a half for mine too because podcasting is really a completely different skill set than blogging and Instagram and all of that.
0: Yeah. But
1: it's not fully, so I say half of one.
0: Yeah. Oh, I should have said at the top that we are going to talk a little bit amongst ourselves about our own personal experiences and then I have a load of listener questions. Yeah. Um. Sweet. how – when you made some of those – changes in your more traditional careers, how did you know that it was time for a change? You
1: know, it's almost always been made for me or I've – it just like has kind of fallen in my lap. Like when my first job, I probably – if if federated department stores hadn't bought May Company like back like 16 or 17 years ago, I probably would have just stayed on the buying track because I really liked it. I was really happy. I really loved my coworkers and like all the people around me. I I liked what I did. It was a little bit – more numbers driven than what I prefer to do, but I don't think I knew any different. And I also loved Boston, didn't really want to leave. Um, But then we got bought and it was like, well, you can go work at Talbot's, like no shade to Talbot's. Like Talbot's has actually gotten a lot cooler. I do shop there sometimes now, but at the time it was like your grandmother's store or you can move to New York. And so the decision was kind of do I, I I had job offers from Macy's to go work for them and do kind of what I was already doing, or I had contacts in the beauty industry, and I was offered a role by a company that had just been acquired by P&G, and I knew that I was really pr- passionate about product, and um, I loved working on I loved all the ad campaigns, and I loved working on the launches, and I loved working with like our store associates on like strategies for like new fragrance launches and things, so. I was really excited about the marketing and the advertising elements of the beauty industry and I was really lucky to be able to go there. Um, then I was there for a while at PNG for a while then I went to Cody for a bit. Then because I started my blog I built up the social media experience and then I was I wasn't even trying to work for Bobble Bar. They found me and offered me this director of social media role. And I was like, I didn't know this was a real job. Like there wasn't Instagram yet. It was like Facebook and Twitter and running a blog for Bobble Bar and things. And then it became Instagram and Pinterest and all the other stuff. But the decision was kind of, it was just kind of offered to me. And I was Mm -hmm. like, oh my God, cool. And then with blogging, it just got to a point where my blog was making a lot of money and it was I was kind of at a point where I was so burnt out between my day job and the blog that it was like, do you want to take a chance on yourself or do you want to keep going the more traditional path? And I, I'm glad that I did this. I I decided to, to take a chance on myself. and But I feel like it's always like just kind of been presented to me. Like I haven't been super strategic or like – trying to get out of something. I I guess it was kind of strategic when I decided I wanted to, rather than keep working at Macy's, like doing what I was doing and work at Macy's, I went into marketing. But I don't think I would have done that if our company hadn't been bought by the other company.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I, I feel the same in that my first career change was very purposeful and, and the following ones have been a little bit accidental, Yeah, which I don't think is bad.
1: I think everything I do just kind of leads me to the next thing,
0: And we've talked about it before that I I don't think either of us are big five year plan people in terms of, and I, you know, maybe that's also because we don't want children. So, you know, we don't have to plan in terms of like when that's going to happen and, you know, potentially taking a break or, um, in your career or just knowing that you're you're maybe not going to like level
1: up during that time or like even knowing that you have to do this really stable thing to support your children.
0: Exactly. Yeah. So I I've never been a big five-year planner and I think, you know, if you asked me 5 years ago where you thought I where I thought I would be, I think I just thought that I would be in increasingly senior marketing jobs and I don't I don't think that if I don't think that's today where my career is going or where I want it to go. Oh, yeah. Me either. So I think that even if I had made a five-year plan, I would have been wrong or unhappy if I had stuck with it. My first career change when I went from consulting to marketing was my really big purposeful one. I was kind of having a big quarter-life crisis. I was 24, so I guess it was a little early. You know, I got my first job out of college. I worked there for two and a half years, and I just had that – and I think a lot of people do – had that, oh my god, this is the rest of my life moment Mm -hmm. where – I was working in a job that paid well, that I that gave me no purpose. And I just couldn't imagine the year stretching out in front of me doing that. And so, you know, with that career change, I was very much like, I need to find more purpose in my career and something that I enjoy. And I remember having this conversation. I had it in a Rite Aid parking lot. I very specifically remember when I called my aunt um, who was, you know, my mom passed away. So her and my uncle adopted me when I was a teenager. And um, when I called her to tell her that I was leaving my job and I was trying to put it into words and communicate to her how I was feeling. And she couldn't understand it because she was like, nobody I know loves their job. Like that's what my parents had said to me. They were like, Your job is
1: your job. Like you need to stop being so idealistic. I remember my dad just being like, I think you just don't want to work. And I was like, You don't understand how much I am working. Like this was when I was at Balo Bar and um I was really struggling with keeping the blog going and my day job. And when I showed him like both like revenue stuff and also like what I do all day and like how much goes into it and like the accounting and the signing contracts and the fact that it is actually a real business. And he was like, Oh. Okay, And like he could understand it. And, you know, my parents were self-employed and worked, had their own restaurant. So I think that they were like, well, you just do what you do and you keep doing it and building it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And and so I was 24 and I just I was having that like crisis of purpose and wanted to find something that really excited me if I was going to spend 42 I don't know what the upper limit is, however many hours a week doing something for the next 50 years say. And so oh my God, I can never do the same thing for 50 years. I know. But that's kind of what catapulted me into marketing. And I guess the the choice of marketing was somewhat arbitrary. I I really wanted to work in fashion. And I felt like marketing was kind of the most obvious way into that, just because mm-hmm. I, you know, I I don't have any traditional like finance training. I don't have any design or or skills there, and it felt like marketing was kind of the most soft skilly type thing that I could maybe like soft shoe my way into. And so that one was really, really purposeful. And I spent months. You know, I spent probably three or four months before I moved trying to network and, and figure out a job, and then I spent four and a half months after I moved trying to find a job. So it wasn't like an easy fell into my lap thing. Like it was, yeah. it was hard and it was considered. But then, you know, when I when I left. Lola at the end of 2018 and I went freelance I kind of thought that I would go back in-house at some point I thought I was just taking a break and I remember that yeah we we
1: had the podcast back then and you're like yeah I'm taking a break I think I'm going to do this for six months or so
0: yeah and we had the podcast and then you know by the time you know 20 so I left in May of 2018 and by you know May of 2019 we were touring with the podcast and not that that's a big piece of what we do now but it was like oh I don't think I can go back if I want to keep following this thing with the podcast and so you know that kind of was an accidental decision where the podcast grew up around I don't know it was at least for me it was never intended to be like a career and it kind of just took me by surprise and then you know also with with rom-com pods and with writing and producing that's another thing that like started out as a hobby and has kind of grown to be it almost is like I start these things and then they prove themselves out to mm-hmm. be something that takes up enough time and I don't know I don't know if I figured out the money piece on either but um mm-hmm. but yeah they've kind of it's been a little bit more accidental where I haven't gone into it the same way that I did when I was switching from consulting to marketing and I was like very much like I am switching careers yeah it's just sort of happened same
1: what about this? Is something we always get asked, which is, is it when is it ever is it ever too late to change careers?
0: No, I don't think so. I, I, really I don't, don't think so. Think so. Um, I think that there are certainly many reasons not to change careers. When you just talked about stability in terms mm-hmm. of money and you know, I, I think it's all a prioritization game. So you know, family goes into it, money goes into it. Uh, lifestyle goes into it, whether you're like a work to live or a live to work person. Um, So I think, yeah, there might be many factors that indicate that like, depending on what's important to you, maybe you shouldn't change careers. But if you want to change careers, no, I don't think it's ever too late.
1: Yes, I agree.
0: And I think that some of the most interesting people that I know have made late, stage career changes and i'm thinking specifically we had a really great conversation with linda wells oh my gosh yes who was the founding editor in chief of allure magazine
1: that's and that- such a
0: good episode if
1: you haven't heard it like go back to the archives and listen to that one because it's that's one of my favorite interviews we've done she was so just so great and so helpful i think like gave really good actionable advice a lot of times when you have someone really successful on a podcast like they give like kind of fluffy like, more, like, softball advice. I felt like she gave, like, real examples and just – it was just a helpful episode.
0: Yeah, but to – like just give you a taste of her story, she was fired from her editor-in-chief position at Allure Magazine, which she helped to found or did found. And she got fired from that job in her 50s and she went on to start a beauty brand, which is something that she obviously knew the beauty space and was very well connected. But, you know, in terms of like, what does your operational day-to-day functional job look like is something that's very different to create a magazine versus to, you know, start a product brand from scratch. Yes, totally. And, you know, I think... Too with career changes, I think the way that technology, the pace of technology's changing, it also kind of narrows the the gap where even starting over doesn't mean that much. Mm-hmm. Because you you were saying, like when you started at our Instagram didn't exist, Pinterest didn't exist. Yeah. So it's like, you know, how many years have some of these careers been around where, you yeah. know. It's wild to me that
1: kids can major in social media in college because, like, by the time they get out in four years, it's going to be totally different because it's always changing.
0: Right. I mean, I'm not saying that it's different to be I, – I mean, I think there are some careers that are, you know, similar. Yeah. That stay pretty – like, medicine yeah. probably stays Yeah. similar. I mean, there's definitely technological advances there. Of course. But, you know, I think in, in a lot of careers – technology is really rapidly changing them. And so even starting over, like the way that you do that job today is probably really different than the way that you did that job 10 years ago. So yeah, somebody might have Mm -hmm. a lot of institutional knowledge, and somebody might um, have been doing it for a long time. But like at some point, that doesn't matter as much. Yes. Shall we dive into some of these listener questions? Yeah. We got so many good ones. It was really hard to choose.
1: So the first one was, how do you figure out where to change to if you've got no idea what to do?
0: That's so hard. That's so hard. And that's kind of the situation I was in when I had my crisis of purpose when I was in my early 20s. (laughs) Because I've I've told this story so many times and I keep telling it because I, I do think that so many people also have the same set of beliefs. But I grew up in a family where, you know, the three career choices were doctor, lawyer, or vague business person. And I didn't realize that any type of creative job actually existed. Like I seriously didn't. Like, I guess I understood that there were people who made magazines and people who made TV, but, like, it was never – I never thought of it as a viable career path.
1: Well, that's the funny thing for me was my mom, I remember she had a friend who was an assistant buyer or a buyer for a department store. My mom was like, I think you'd be really good at this. You love to shop. like." And, of course, that's not what the job is. But um, I was like, oh, I want to be that. Because, again, I thought that, like, you could be, like, a struggling artist or, like, a business person or, like, a teacher or – Yeah. Something like, I don't know, a psychologist, like I just – a doctor. I didn't know about like, to your point, magazines or like working for a fashion company or working for a beauty company. Like I grew up on Cape Cod where everyone was pretty much like a teacher and a doctor had a – worked in the restaurant or hospitality industry and that was kind of it.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I I totally hear you and I had that same – crisis where I was like looking at a blank page and I was like well I don't want to do this but what the heck do I want to do and I guess for me you know I think the first thing is that you you've got to give yourself time and space and you know I'm very much we've talked about this like with my couch where I'm like I've made the decision I want to do it now and that's one of my like I don't know if it's one of my best or worst qualities, but I'm very decisive. And sometimes I feel like you decide the part where you're like, I don't want to be doing this before you know what the next thing is. And I'd say to maybe sit in it a little while and think about what are the things that you really enjoy doing or what are things you used to enjoy doing? Like in school, what subjects did you like? Like, Did Mm -hmm. you like writing? Did you like math? Like, what are the things that you liked? What are the things that you enjoyed as a kid? Yeah, that's always the thing. Is like, And another
1: good episode to reference is the interview with Elizabeth Gilbert. But like the things that you enjoyed
0: as a kid, if you can figure out a, an adult way to do that, like, great. Totally. Or like, do you have any hobbies? And I don't necessarily believe, always believe in monetizing your hobbies because I do think it changes something. But, you know, do you... I don't know what a good example is. Do you like to garden, maybe landscape design? Like what is the monetizable version of something that you enjoy as a hobby? Yeah, there
1: was this book that I my mom had on her shelf and she made me read when I was like a teenager. It was called what Color Is Your Parachute and it was like all about like what you should be doing. But there's also great personality tests online and I we can put some in the show notes maybe, but um I think that taking some taking those personality tests is another good way because Also, like if you're really introverted, like you might prefer an office. Like I didn't even realize how introverted I was until like I didn't have to be in a really big office setting anymore and I just felt so happy. So I think that looking at career aptitude tests would also be helpful.
0: Yeah. And then the other thing is I think that a lot of times you look at somebody else's career and and you like picture the most idealized version of it. Like if Mm -hmm. you're picturing being a chef, you're just making these beautiful creation, food creations, you're not like, you're not thinking about the part where you have to scrub down the floors or where like somebody's yelling at you. So I think also, you know, as you start to consider careers, finding people who are in those careers to talk to. And one thing when I was going freelance is I met with a lot of people in my network who are already freelance and I asked them, what's the worst part about your job? Yes. Because I think sometimes you can delude yourself into thinking that the grass is a lot greener Mm -hmm. than it might be. Completely.
1: I would also say look at sites like the Every Girl because they do so many great career profiles and read about those people's jobs and what they like about them. Because Mm -hmm. like for like pretty much every job there is, they've got, they've interviewed someone on there and those profiles get really in depth and it talks about their background and how they got there and what they like about the job and what is hard and what is good. I just think that that could be a good way to do that because if you don't know someone who's
0: doing something already, that's a good way to start. Yeah. Um... Grace, um, another question was, when do you know when it's time to leave a job? I think
1: you and I have both made the mistake of staying too long in a job that we maybe weren't happy with. I think that the second you feel like you're not doing a good job anymore because you're not motivated or you're burned out, it's time to start really thinking about that. I would say the last six months that I was at Bottle Bar, I was not doing a great job with my blog and not doing a great job with my job because there was not enough hours in the day and i was extremely burnt out and also like a little bit depressed i think um i also think it's like there's all the tactical stuff like save your i was going to say save your effing money <laughs> save your money <laughs> like money is freedom if you you know if you if you save then you're going to be able to leave sooner if you're unhappy and that was a big thing for me was I remember like in the earlier days I had credit card debt and I realized I didn't have any financial freedom. Like if I was to leave a job, I had to start working immediately because I would be missing payments on those things. I didn't have a lot saved and I was living paycheck to paycheck. As I've gotten older and saved more money, now it's like, well, I have the freedom to leave or stop doing something if I want to, if it's making me unhappy. So like save, that's my biggest advice.
0: I kind of think too, I mean, don't beat yourself up too much because I think it's hard to know. I think I only learned that I stayed too long by staying too long. Yeah,
1: I think you have to kind of do it. You have to to mess it up.
0: And then you're like, oh, I stayed too long. I won't do that again. Yeah, totally. And then, you know, I think you can feel when you're getting burnt out and then you can kind of, once you feel that, there's kind of two roads and you figure out, can I fix this? And, you know, maybe it's taking a vacation. Maybe it's creating better boundaries, whatever those things might be. And then if you do those things and you're still unhappy, like I think I just at some points had some magical thinking where I thought things were going to get better because of I don't know why I thought they were going to get better and they didn't. They usually don't get better. Exactly. So, you know, if you can eliminate yourself as the problem where like you could just be burnt out and you're sick of everything and you're like.
1: And nothing is going to make you happy. You need a vacation and a break.
0: Right. And and maybe that's like, don't quit your job. Like you're the problem. (laughs) Fix (laughs) it. But then, you know, there's other times where you do those things and you're still like,
1: nope. Yes. Um, Somebody else asked, how is the change to completely slash forever working from home?
0: It's been pretty good for me. I think this very much varies by personality type. Yeah. Um, So I think a lot of people are thinking about this, you know, I, I don't know. Actually, I know a lot of people who are like, gunning to get back to an office to have that as, like, a social outlet. But I feel like there's other people who have experienced working from home and are like, oh, how do I make this permanent? I've enjoyed the the change to completely and forever working from home. I, I am a very independent worker. I like to work by myself. I like to work in dead silence. So my home is very conducive to that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I am very self-motivated. So I don't have a lot of problems with, like, needing a boss, needing tasks, needing assignments, needing prioritizations. Same. And so – I think working from home cuts out a lot of the time wastiness of meetings, of water cooler chat. So it's it's gone pretty well for me. And I I like the ability to have a flexible schedule and to, to control my schedule where, you know, it's not a button seat my working for myself is not a button seat culture where, you know, even if you do your work in two hours, you have to sit there and look busy for eight. Yes. So I kinda like that I can just do my work and then I don't know if I'm, I've ever been done recently, but you know, you can take the afternoon off. You can go do something, go grocery shopping during the middle of the day. Like, I, I like it a lot, but I also know, like I'm thinking about Rachel, who's my partner for rom-com pods, um, has a lot of trouble working um, in her home, like being productive in her home and likes to work at coffee shops or other places. So I think like it depends what type of person you are. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I've been working from
1: home for... Um, seven, six or seven years now, and I do not ever want to go back to an office. But sometimes I do want to change the scenery, and in that case, like there's so many great co-working spaces you can go to. Like I used to go to Soho House pre-pandemic, like probably two or three times a month just to get out of the house. And I will do that now. Um, there's some really pretty hotels in the Charleston area where you can go and sit in the lobby and work and like order a cappuccino and just like have a different kind of day. But I think um one big thing because this person seemed like they wanted some tactical advice like have a separate work area
0: like I have oh yeah have a table have a hard surface too it's not the couch
1: like I have a post on my blog with work from home tips that I published like a year and a half ago at the beginning of the pandemic because I was like oh cute everyone else is working from home too for the next couple months and then like a year and a half later here we are but if you type in work from home in the search of my blog there's some tips but Having a separate office space is so important and I also like to set my timer for like one hour blocks where I focus on a specific task and then I'll like do a chore or like do some do something around the house to like take a break but I think that it's so important to have like a like separate areas for work and for play even if you're in a studio apartment you have like a little table in the corner and that's your workspace because I, when I lived in, when I first started working from home, I lived in a really small studio apartment and I had a desk, but the desk wasn't super comfortable. So oftentimes I would sit in my bed and work or lay on the couch and work. And it just felt like there was no separation between work and home. So I just think it's really important if you can to have a separate distinct work area.
0: Yeah, it signals to your brain that it's like time to work. And I also, you know, I can answer emails from the couch or I was working from your couch this morning. Yeah. Like I can do stuff, but I don't feel like I'm at my most productive on a soft surface. I agree.
1: But, you know, there is that it's also a perk that like if you got if you feel sick, if you are a little hungover or tired, you can work from the couch. Just don't make it your like everyday thing. Yeah let's take another quick break. So this episode is also sponsored by Care Of. Care Of is a wellness brand that makes it easy to maintain your health goals with a customized vitamin plan that makes you feel your best. So I've been using Care Of for a couple years now, and this is the only vitamin regime that I've been able to stick with. I can be really forgetful. I was especially forgetful during my move, but I never forgot my daily Care Of pack because these little individually wrapped daily packets just make it so easy. I don't have to mess with a million pill bottles or that old people pill case. I just grab the packet in the morning and everything is all ready for me. The way that it works is that you go to their site and you take their in-depth five-minute quiz that asks you questions about your diet, your lifestyle, your health concerns, to create a fully customized plan that's designed to meet your specific wellness goals. It's kind of like getting a one-on-one consultation with a nutritionist without ever having to leave your house. I also really appreciate that all of Caro's products are formulated with good-for-you, clean ingredients that are backed by science. So they're completely transparent about the research and the sourcing behind each one of their products. And if you ever cruise the vitamin aisle at the drugstore, you know that's definitely Definitely not usually the case. In the past, I found it really confusing to know what I need. Like, is a multivitamin enough? Um, And if you're doing those a la carte vitamins, which ones do you need? How many milligrams? So I really love that Care-of uses their expertise plus your answers to the quiz to help you figure out what you need and also educate you in the process. So if one of your goals for the year, especially as we get into summer, is to start taking better care of your health, a care of subscription is a great first step. And you can take 50% off your first care of order, which is such a great deal. Go to takecareof.com and enter code BOP50. Again, take 50% off your first care of order by going to takecareof.com and entering code BOP50.
0: All right, let's get back to some questions. Here's an interesting one. Somebody wanted to know thoughts on moving just for a job opportunity or looking at an ideal city, then the job. I moved to New York because of a
1: job opportunity. I didn't want to go to New York. I thought New York was scary and terrifying and wanted to stay in Boston for the rest of my life. It was, you know, close to Cape Cod where my parents were living. Um, it was like a smaller, more approachable city. All my friends were there. I really didn't want to move. I moved to New York to work at PNG. and And I remember being like, I'm just going to get two years of marketing experience and then I will get the hell out of New York and I will move back to Boston. And I said that for the first year that I was in New York because New York was just such a learning curve and so hard at first. Like we were just, I was just, I say we, cause my roommate and I were in the same boat. We were so poor. We had such a hard time with everything. We got lost all the time. I got like, ass- not assaulted, but like, like touched by strangers on the subway, like groped, like, you know, walking out, of of the the subway was always like the subway and the train station were always like where bad things happened to me I just had a really hard time and I was like I'm getting the fuck out of here after two years and uh, that second year in New York is when I fell in love with it but I absolutely think it's worth it especially to move to a big city and get that experience because if you get that like really amazing I mean we both worked in marketing like New York City marketing experience you can take that and go anywhere with it.
0: I I don't know how I feel about this question because I also moved to New York for a job, but I can also say that presently um, where I am in my life, I don't know that I would move just for a job. I
1: think you also have to be young. I wouldn't move for a job right now.
0: Right. So I... It depends on your age. I was living in San Francisco. I did a stint in San Francisco. I lived there for two years, and I. that was after my... Career crisis. I wanted to work in fashion. I got a job working in fashion. The company closed, and San Francisco is a really terrible city to work in fashion. And there's just like not a lot there. There's like Gap, Old Navy, and that's you know there were a couple other things there at the that was time. That's how Boston was too. Talbots or J. Jill. Like, yeah, no, it wasn't a great city for it. So you know I kind of you know I wasn't like I'll go wherever I can find a job, but I kind of said to myself, you know, it seems like I need to go to New York or LA if this is the career I want, and I ended up going to New York because I got this job at bubble bar and thank God because I'm a terrible driver. So I don't think it's a bad thing. And I think, you know, it's fun to try new things when you're young and to get that experience and to find out what you like. And, you know, I don't think anything's take untake backable. So if you move to a city for a new job, sure. It's annoying to move again, but you know, give it a try. And like Grace said, she didn't think that she was going to like it, but she did. But that said, as I'm older now, I couldn't
1: put myself through that again at the, at at that, unless it was, I was really passionate about the city too.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think there could be some coincidental overlap where something happened and I could be like, I, I would love to live in London at some point. And if, you know, something came up where there was an opportunity, like, yeah, I can move to London for a job. Um, but you know, if somebody was like, I want you to move to, I don't know where, um, Dallas, Texas, which is a great city that I really enjoy. I would probably not want to move there just for the job opportunity. No. Um,
1: yeah. Someone asked, what to do if you're craving change but don't want to leave your current company? I kind of feel like that's the best situation to be in. Yes. Because you can talk to HR. You can talk to other people in the company and figure out if you have built a great reputation for yourself at this company. Um, and you have people there who can vouch for you. I think it would be probably pretty not pretty. It might be harder. Like you might have to take a pay cut or like do a, a lateral move versus get promoted. But I do think that there's a lot of opportunity. I remember every job I've ever had, like at the corporate level, like people moving, um, like like girls who were in accounting deciding they wanted to be in buying, or when I worked in marketing for P and G, like. There was someone who was really amazing at customer service, and they had taken the customer service job, but what they were really passionate about was marketing. And they had to, like, take a step back and go in at a co- coordinator level from a manager level, but, it, you know, it was worth it to them, and they had a good reputation. So, like, the team was like, yes, come join our
0: team. Yeah, I think it's it's such a great position to be in because theoretically, hopefully, They already like you. They're already invested in your career and your future. So it's so much easier than getting somebody at a totally new company to take a chance on you in a role where you don't have experience. So that's almost kind of like the best of both worlds if you like your company and think that there's room for you to change careers within your company. Somebody said... I really want to get into books slash publishing, but I'm too far along in my career to go back to entry-level jobs to get my foot in the door. Is it too late? I also can't move out of Minneapolis. You know what? Do you have an answer? I do have an answer, which is why I I didn't put a lot of the specific ones in here. It feels like
1: there's just so many boundaries for this
0: person. Yeah, I didn't put a lot of the specific ones in because it was like, you know, I don't have good advice for somebody who wants to go from, like, criminal justice to higher education, which are both fields I've never worked <laughs> yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, at some point, I, I feel like the more general ones yeah. tend to be a little more broadly applicable. But, you know, I think this person doesn't actually want that. They want they want this in a fictional world where what they actually want is to not have to move back into their career and to not leave Minneapolis, which trumps wanting to work in publishing or books. Like, it doesn't sound like you want to work there, in en- work in publishing our books enough that you're willing yeah. to make the sacrifices that you might need to to do that. So it's not that I think it's too late. I just don't think that, you know, when you rank stack your priorities that. Yeah, because you can't, you're going to have to take a pay cut and
1: start kind of not, maybe not completely over. Publishing also notoriously doesn't pay well
0: in the early stages. Once you get further along, it pays very well. I also don't know anything about the publishing scene in Minneapolis, but I imagine it's a very small industry there. And I imagine that there's not probably like the room for career growth that there would be in New York City, which is where publishing is headquartered broadly. So, yeah. you know, how many companies are there to even work for if you work for one and then you're like, oh, that's it? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, I would say maybe you have to have some hard discussions with yourself and say, what do I want more? Do I want to work in publishing? is that what's important to me or is staying in Minneapolis or not having to take a step back in my career what's most important to me? And maybe you'll make some different, make some realizations. Um, But, you know, the other thing is like maybe there's a way that you can work in books or publishing in a way that is not your career. Like maybe you could start a bookstagram or maybe you could volunteer at your local library. I feel like there's a
1: really cool literary conference that's based out of Minnesota. Like, look up stuff like that. Um, I remember I, it was because I blogged about it. Like, they had reached out to me and were like, this is so specific for this one person. But getting involved in that way and volunteering. Because re- realistically, to do these things, like, you're going to have to leave Minneapolis and you're probably going to have to take a step back.
0: And yeah. it's okay if you – that's okay. It's okay if you decide that you don't want to do that. Like, yeah. you don't have to change careers. And I think, you know – I am a, for better or for worse, a work-to-live person. No. Oh, Live-to-work work person. And I don't know that that's good. Yeah.
1: I'm working on becoming a, a the other way around. A work-to-live, work-to-live, work-to-live person. work-to-live person. That's one of my goals for the year.
0: Yeah. Um, I feel like this one, I don't know, well... Maybe it's for both of us. Any advice on pursuing passion projects while maintaining balance when working a nine to five? I feel like this is the situation you were in a bobble bar where you had your blog on the side.
1: Yeah. You know what? I had no balance. I didn't date. I barely saw my friends for two years. But you know what? Now I work for myself and I am so freaking happy I did that because it paid off. But I wouldn't be where I am today if I hadn't done that. Like you – if, if your passion project is something that you know you ultimately want to monetize and take
0: full-time, there might be a really hard
1: period where you're doing both.
0: Well, here's a follow-up question from somebody else. Did your full-time job know that one, you had a side job, and two, you were building it to be full-time?
1: Sort of no. Uh, that's a great question. When I was at Cody, I kept my blog secret. I didn't tell anyone, and then i got. And then Bottle hired me because of my blog, and I had to show my blog to everyone. And everyone thought it was so cool. They were like, oh, my God, this is so cool. Good for you. When I was building it to be full-time, I actually didn't know I was building it to be full-time. I thought I could do both. Like, I don't know if you remember this, but I remember, like, I had my five-year launch party for the blog. I remember that. When I changed the name from Stripes and Sequins to the Stripe. And I was so burnt out after that party that, like, I was, like, really – really tired and like couldn't get out of bed for like a whole weekend. (laughs) But I didn't realize I wanted to make it full time until then. Like I was very much of the camp of blogging is blogging slash influencing is not a real job. It is a joke job. You will not be taken seriously if this is what you choose to do. And once I got over that in my head, I realized it could be a full time thing. So no, they didn't know that. Like I don't think they would have been psyched if i was like hey guys like just so you know my goal is to eventually leave here and do my own stuff full time like that that would not go over well so i would keep that to yourself but i think that a lot of i think that sharing the side job or the or the passion project is great like it makes you interesting and i feel like my blog served as my resume and was what got me hired at bubble bar but no i would if 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 my plan at the time had been to go full time i wouldn't have shared that because like why would they invest in you why would they spend money training and teaching you new things if um and pr- promoting you and giving you raises if if they know you are just going to leave yeah do you have any any thoughts on those questions
0: no i mean i agree with you but i've also never been in that situation true Someone
1: wrote, I'm trying to pivot to fully remote. Where to find freelance projects? This is a good one for
0: you. So I don't know that I have the standard experience. All of my business in my freelance marketing consulting practice has all been referral-based. So I would say kind of three things. So the first thing is try to network with other people who are in freelance in the same space you are. So if you're a graphic designer, network with other freelance graphic designers. If you are a freelance accountant, network with other freelance accountants. And the reason is, is that they're already bringing in business because they already have their freelance practice up and running and theoretically might have overflow work that they're not able to take on. So it's a great way to get them to recommend you for projects. Mm -hmm. Second thing I would say is try to reinvigorate your network. Like we've all just been inside for 14 months, but figure out who are the people who either work at companies that you might want to freelance for or who are super connectors who might be able to connect you to projects. And you know, if coffee is a thing that you feel comfortable doing in your area of the country, ask them for a coffee, ask them for a Zoom date, ask them for a Zoom coffee and just Venmo them $5. But yeah, I, I would say you know try to reinvigorate your network because I think you know when I left Lola, I I left, I gave like four months notice, and so when I left, and it was obviously on good terms, I sent a note to my entire network and told them that I was leaving and that I was going to pursue freelance, and that's where all of my early projects came from. And then it kind of snowballs where you know the the project people that I've worked with on projects recommend me for other projects, et cetera, et cetera. But like I don't have a website. I have a capabilities deck that basically like tells who I am and some of the projects I've worked on and what types of things I can do, but I've never sent a I've never ever sent a blind email to a company saying, "Hey, I'd like to freelance work for you." And maybe it works like that in some industries I don't know, but you know, I would say most of my most of my projects come through my network. The other thing if none of that works for you or you don't feel like you're at the point in your career where you have that network, there's also services That can help you find projects like, you know, you could put yourself on Fiverr or Upwork or something like that, depending on what you do and find projects like that to build your portfolio through one of those services. But I think those generally tend to be a little bit lower paid. So it depends like what your financial goals are too. Yeah. Somebody asked, if you were to pivot careers, what would you do?
1: Give one realistic one and one total fantasy. This is a fun question. Yeah.
0: Okay, so I think one realistic one, which honestly is where I'm trying to take my career right now, I would say probably writing and producing in the television space would be my realistic career change that I'm currently trying to make happen. Um, If I were to pick one total fantasy one, I mean, I don't know what the money would be like this. I would like to be a florist. That ha- I have my own florist shop, but I do not do any weddings. I don't want to deal with brides. I don't. That's too high stakes. I only want to do, like, low key occasion flowers, like your dinner party. Sure, your yeah. birthday or anniversary flowers, absolutely. Yeah, not your wedding.
1: I don't know what my realistic one would be. Um, I think it would maybe be something pivoting to like designing caftans. Um like doing something in the skincare space that's not an influencer role or writing like thriller type books um because i think i could write books if i had more creative space but right now like all of my jobs like influencing and podcasting and everything else there's just no more creative space left do you think your brain is twisty enough yes (laughs) (laughs) um that was a creepy laugh yeah i think it is the the real the total fantasy one is kind of similar to yours um do you remember like in Club Monaco on Fifth Ave, there's that store, like there's that store that has a floor, like it's like got a little mini strand. It's got a flower shop where you can like do like kind of like Fox Potter Farm, like a la carte bouquets. Um, So I want to have something like that where you can go and you can get a coffee. You can make a bouquet of flowers. You can pick out a book and there's cats.
0: Oh, I want to go to that store.
1: That sounds great. Does that not sound like the best store ever? Yeah, that sounds awesome. Like I might do that someday, actually. That could be realistic. Um, Like books, cats, like and we like have rescue cats, kind of like a cat cafe, but you can sit and read a book and have a coffee. Yeah. Maybe you have to like pay admittance fees because I don't want people just sitting and like playing with the cats and reading books for free. But I had to figure out how to, how to monetize it.
0: I'm very excited for this, this far flung career yeah. <laughs> um, that I think you you really hit on something. I think it would be great. I would totally go there all the time. <laughs> somebody asked, How do you tailor your resume, especially if you haven't updated it for a while?
1: Pay somebody. I don't know. I haven't I don't I haven't had a resume in probably like ten years.
0: Yeah, I don't have a resume either.
1: I didn't even have a resume for Bobble Bar. Like think of when I I left that job six or seven years ago and I was there for four years.
0: I didn't use my resume when I was hired at Lola, but I had a resume, but I haven't updated it since then. I mean, I know I could,
1: but I would like probably look up examples and like pay a resume consultant or someone. Like
0: I don't think that's a bad idea if you have the money. I think when you say tailor it, and we're talking about career changes here, I would think about what what are the job specifications of the new job you're looking for? And what are the elements of your old job that you can pull out that are most relevant to that? Yes. Even if they're not necessarily where you're spending the most of your time. Yes. I'm, I'm not saying lie, but I'm just saying like, for instance, I don't think I would need a, I don't know why I would need a traditional resume to work in f- film writing. But I, maybe I would, but like if I were applying to a job like that and I would talk about the video production work that I did at Lola, like helping to produce videos, even though that is was not the majority of my job. Uh-huh. Where it's like, think about what are the soft skills or what are the projects that you work on worked on that were applicable, and really highlight those based on what you're trying to apply for. So, like maybe you work in marketing and you want to change to a job in finance. It's like pull out the more number oriented, hard skill type things that you did versus highlighting, you know, the great event that you put on or something, which would be totally irrelevant. I think that's really great advice. So I think it's like more thinking about what like, does somebody want to hear?
1: Yeah. And like looking at it, like this is your tailor- target audience. Like what is, what's going to... Yeah. Yeah. What keywords can you use that are going to jump out at them?
0: Yeah. So let's take another ad break. Judging by the amount of questions we got for today's episode, it sounds like a lot of listeners are contemplating some pretty big changes in their work lives and trying to figure out what's next, which is such a big, hairy, scary question. So you've been hearing us talk about BetterHelp for the past few months, and maybe you've been wondering, is BetterHelp for me? So first of all, we think BetterHelp is an awesome service for pretty much anyone. But specifically, if you're looking to pinpoint or address anything that interferes with your happiness or prevents you from achieving your goals, BetterHelp has licensed professional counselors who may be able to help. Yes.
1: So they make it so, so easy. Here's how it works. You fill out a simple online questionnaire that's going to assess your needs. They're going to ask you about absolutely everything from your age and your relationship status to your past experience with therapy and what you're looking to address. And then from there, they're going to match you with your own licensed professional therapist. And this all happens in under 24 hours. Then you can choose how you want to interact with them. You can message them anytime, no scheduling needed, or you can have phone or video sessions, whichever works best for you.
0: They also have counselors who are specialized in specific issues like stress, anxiety, relationships, parenting, addictions, eating, sleeping, trauma, family conflict, LGBT matters, self-esteem, and more. All told, they have over 20,000 licensed professional therapists. And what's great is that they're committed to facilitating great matches. So if your first therapist isn't a fit, they make it free and easy to switch if you need. And anything you share is always confidential. Best of all, it's more affordable
1: than traditional online counseling and financial aid is available. We really want for you to start living a happier life today. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash badonpaper. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, dot bad on badonpaper.
0: So we have two last questions to wrap things up. The first thing is, how do you transition to a job you don't feel qualified for? Okay, so I put this in here because I just wanted to say this fact. And I'm I'm taking this from LinkedIn. I think it's sourced from somewhere else. I'm not positive. But basically, it says, research shows that in order to apply for a job, women feel that they need to meet 100% of the criteria, while men usually apply after meeting about 60%. And women tend to screen themselves out of the conversation and end up applying to 20% fewer jobs than men. Mm -hmm. So I think what you should do is you should think about Chad, who is out there. Think of Chad. I'm sorry if your husband's name is Chad. It just sounds like a pretty douchey name. If your husband's name is Chad, think of Brad. Sure. But think of Chad, the overly smug white man, who is applying for this job even though he meets 60% of the criteria when theoretically maybe you meet 85%. So I think you should just go for it. And honestly, it's not like they're just going to hand it to you on a silver platter because you apply for it. So you'll go through the interview process and maybe you'll learn more and maybe you're not going to get the job, but like take the chance at least. Like apply to the job and have the conversation. Mhm. Um, But think of the Chads out there. Think of Chad who is applying to all of those jobs that he's 60% qualified for. Yep. Fucking Chad. Okay.
1: the next one is, how do I get someone to take a chance on me when my job is so different from the job that I want?
0: It's a numbers game.
1: It's a numbers game. And I think it's also a who you know game. I think it's really important to work on building relationships with and getting someone who can vouch for you.
0: I agree with that. We talked a lot about that in other um episodes about doing informational interviews, networking to people that are in the job you want, even when there's no job available, so that when a job does become available, you're, offering you're top to of mind. help
1: out like outside of work hours. Like I remember at Bobble Bar, Liz Gunn, who is now Bobble Bar is like, what is she? Like their VP of sourcing um when she started out she just really wanted to work for bottle but she was working in finance so she had like a high paying finance job and she would leave there and then go to Balabar and like help them pack orders and help them like sort out things and like get them organized and now like she's like running the show over there
0: i think those are all that's all such good advice but i think don't let yourself get discouraged you're doing a hard thing it's a numbers game. You don't go on one date and expect to meet the love of your life. Yes. You have to go on multiple. So just because one person, and I know it feels so personal. It feels so personal to be rejected from a job. But it's not personal.
1: It's not like the hiring as someone who's – when I worked at Bar, for example, or um, it was it was different at P&G and Cody because I was just handed resumes for people by HR so I didn't have to screen. But at, at Bar, went at the peak – You get like thousands of applications for roles, especially in social media and marketing. So you just like, you... Your name in a pile. Your name in a pile, exactly. It's not personal.
0: So I think you just have to say, I'm going to take six months. Like maybe don't tell yourself it's going to happen next week, next month. I'm going to take six months. I'm going to apply to all these jobs. And I'm going to constantly like reassess. Like, okay, I'm going to fling some... Fling sounds like the wrong word. I'm going to put some... Apply to some jobs, see what kind of feedback I get. Okay, I'm getting zero percent bites on the resumes that I'm putting out there. Maybe I need to redo my resume. Maybe I need to think about my cover letter strategy. Maybe mm-hmm. I need to network differently. But like, take an iterative approach and give yourself time because you're you're the underdog. Mm-hmm. Truthfully, like you're not the most qualified for this job. You said in the question, you're asking somebody to take a chance on you. So like, you're gonna have to fi- you're gonna have to go and find the right match. I think you know. Try as hard as you can, and this is so easy to say when I'm not the one in the situation. But try not to get discouraged because it truly isn't personal.
1: I agree. It's such a numbers game.
0: Let's get into some end matter. Yeah, let's do it. Do you have an Instagram obsession? Um, I don't. Do you? I do. So my Instagram session that I've been obsessed with for the past few months is Skylar Samuel's, who is the lead actress in this new rom-com pod show that we made. She plays Casey. And you might recognize her. Um, she was in Scream Queens. She, oh, she was in The Duff, which is such a great movie that I really love. Um, but she is such a gem of a human. And I am so thankful that this project brought her into my life. And I mean, I love her as a human, but I'm also just excited to support her and follow her online. Oh, I love that. That's so sweet. Yeah. What about regular obsessions? Um, I'm stealing one of your previous obsessions because I've gotten on board. It's the best thing ever. So um, our friend Natalie Holst has a jewelry brand called Holston Lee, and Grace has been wearing a ton of their Popsicle earrings. I mean, you've been wearing a ton of her jewelry for years, but more recently, the Popsicle earrings. And we were over at Natalie's house the other night, and she's making new popsicle earrings and specifically there are now rocket pop earrings yes they're amazing like the tricolor popsicles that you get from the ice cream man and uh, she gave me a pair it's like a yellow button and then a red white and blue popsicle and I am so excited to wear them
1: oh love that
0: I'm excited. I I think I might also want a pair of um, solid popsicle earrings too.
1: Yeah. The solid ones are really cute. I have like four pairs of the solid ones and I want the rocket pops, but I'm like, you don't need five pairs of the popsicles. You might
0: need a pair of rocket pops. The one that Natalie had on last night looks so cute. They're so cute. She also has not the traditional red, white, and blue ones. She also has dinosaur earrings
1: and she gave me a few pairs of those last night at dinner. I'm very excited about them. Do you have an obsession? I do. It's a Charleston-based brand, and it's called the Coast Brand. And I found them because Liz Adams was raving about them and was wearing a really cute shirt from them. I wasn't so sure. I ordered a dress and a top. And I'm always wary when I see that something is one size because one size does not fit all bodies. But I will tell you that I'm generally like a smaller medium in tops and a solid medium in bottoms, um, like probably a six in tops, eight in bottoms and um the clothes fit me perfectly so if you are that size you will do well with them but they have really cute like tunics and easy dresses that you could wear to the beach or on vacation most of them are like a cream like cotton linen type of base what is the fabric I'm like looking at it right now there's no fabric in oh It's a lightweight cotton gauze. That's what I was looking for. I couldn't think of the word. It's the gauze fabric. And um, it's like slightly sheer. It's made in India. It has really pretty embroidery on it. I think that I prefer the tops to the dresses, but the dress is great too. Um, it's It's like a little bit big and loose and just really, really cute. But again, it's called the Coast brand and it's a local Charleston business. I have no ties to them. They don't have affiliate marketing. They're very small. Like I'm Getting zero from telling you about them, but I just think their stuff is amazing.
0: What about in books? I've I've actually seen it with my own eyes. You're doing some big reading this weekend.
1: Yeah. So, um, what did I read? I finished People
0: We Meet on Vacation.
1: Oh, I absolutely loved it. That is our June book club pick, which we'll tell you more about. Then I read I read two whole books this weekend. I read Malibu Rising by Taylor Jenkins Reid. I loved it, like loved it, loved it. That was my favorite book that I have read all month. And then I also read a thriller, um, which isn't out until July, but it's called The Stranger in the Mirror by Liv Constantine. And Liv Constantine is two sisters. They write thrillers together. Like they write my favorite kind of silly, like sometimes a little off the rails thrillers. I don't know if you read The Last Mrs. Parish when that came out in 2018, but it's like it's my ideal thriller where like usually there's a psychotic woman of sorts and like they're... There's usually some sort of, like, a romance-induced thrill. Like, in this one, um, what happened was this woman wakes up on the side of the road with absolutely zero memories. Meanwhile, and so she's, like, building this life in Philadelphia where she, like, makes up her own name and, like, just, like, starts over from scratch. She gets engaged. All these things are happening. Meanwhile, back in Boston, um, this man seems like a really good guy, Um, has a daughter and his wife just mysteriously vanished so we're not sure if these two stories intersect or what's going to happen but it's quite thrilling I read it in one day It's, it's probably my least favorite of the Liv Constantine books but kind of like a Colleen Hoover book there's no bad Liv Constantine book like it still kept me on my toes for 20 and I read it in a day
0: wow yes how about you um, so I read two books while I was here. No, I read one and a half books. That's a lie. Um, so the first book I read was I read uh, Rock the Boat by Beck Dory Stein. And that comes out in August. And Beck Dory Stein is the author who wrote From the Corner of the Oval, which was her memoir working in the Obama White House and about a very saucy, illicit affair she had while she was there. Mm-hmm. Um And this book is actually fiction. So she branched out and and wrote a fiction book. And it's about a woman whose life falls apart. And she moves back home to the coastal New Jersey town where she grew up. And she moves in with her parents for the summer, is working as a bartender, kind of figuring out what she wants in life and what her next move is. And the book was very sweet. It reminded me a little bit of an Ellen Hildebrand book in that there was, it was this cute quirky town and you kind of got a peek at all of the different people who owned local businesses and like worked at worked at different places and and I really enjoyed it. It was a great beach read. Mm-hmm. So loved that. Again, that comes out in August. And then I started. I brought an Ellen Hildebrand with me because like what's a vacation without an Ellen Hildebrand? So I brought the Matchmaker and I'm. Probably about 60 or 70% through with that. And it is about a woman who's in her late 40s. And um, she is this like very perfect. um, I think they say at one point, if Nantucket had a president, Dabney would be elected by a landslide. So she's like just a lady about town who everyone loves. And um, she's married to like a distinguished professor who's older than her. And the high school love of her life comes back into town, and she has to decide what she wants to do. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's very good so far, and I'm very much enjoying it. But, you know, that's not a surprise with an Ellen Hildebrand. I think I need to read that one. So... That's what I've been reading. If you need something to read, Grace already mentioned that People We Meet on Vacation by Emily Henry is our June book club pick. It is a best friends to lovers romance about uh, Alex and Poppy, who uh, in the present day are estranged best friends who've had a falling out. And uh, we see them trying to repair their relationship. But then there's also a second timeline where we kind of get to bounce through all of their greatest hits vacations that they've taken every summer over the past 10 years and get to kind of see how their friendship um, came to be. It is the ultimate beach read. It was so so good.
1: You know, I'm not like a huge romance person. This is my favorite romance book I've read in ages, um, and I loved it. So I think this is like a perfect – It's a good June book. It's a good June book. It's like the perfect – I read it when I was actually on vacation in Palm Springs, and a lot of the book takes place in Palm Springs. But I loved it. It just – It's like such a happiness-inducing book.
0: And if you'd like more of us, you can join our Facebook group, where if you want to talk about any of these career questions, I'm sure there's tons of people who are in the same boat and would love to discuss with you. You can also follow us on Instagram at That on Paper Podcast.
1: I'm on Instagram at Grace Atwood, and my blog is thestripe.com, where I post new
0: blog posts every day. And I'm on Instagram at Becca M. Freeman. And ShowMance, which is the new rom com pods show, is out now. It's on a new feed. So if you were subscribed to the old one, it's on a different feed. So search Showmance on Apple Podcasts or in Spotify. And I would love for you to check it out.
1: Um, yeah, check it out. I got to listen to the first episode, and it's amazing. So you guys are gonna love it.
0: Thanks. All right, talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.